book of John, chapter 3. Very powerful passage of Scripture. And the title of the message is, You Must Be Born Again. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I want to read that again to you because this is, this is right to the heart of everything. I mean, Jesus didn't waste any time. You talk about, you know, how to uh, approach soul winning. This is pretty straightforward. Verily, verily, I say unto you, to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Kind of a question back to Jesus. It's obvious he didn't really completely understand. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto, unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the clarity of the Word of God, uh, for the sharpness of it, the fact that it's right to the point, the key message. For us today is that you must be born again. And I pray, Father, that you would encourage all of us to be soul winners if we are saved. And for those that have concerns or doubts or they wonder if they're really saved, I pray that today could be a turning point in their lives and they could nail down, they could solidify, they could settle once and for all the question if they've ever really been born again. So I pray today for your unction, for your zeal, and for your love, and your power, and your grace as we preach this message. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So I want to remind everyone again that something that I said here a week or two ago. When I say something that you've heard for 20 years or so, be aware that we do have people here that have never heard this. So be patient. And when I brag on y'all, when I talk about people, tell people about our church and uh, how long we've been here, I said, this is a patient pe group of people. 
because they've heard some of the same stories for, you know, 37 years. But just keep in mind, this is going to be the first time for some of the different ones. So we'll get right into it. I was on, I came back from Vietnam. I worked for about a year with the uh, post office. Then I, I applied for the Houston Police Department and I was uh, accepted. I went into the academy and I served five years on the Houston Police Department. It was during that time I'd gotten saved in boot camp, but it was during that five-year period that God was really, we had a very, very evangelistic pastor. We had men uh, surrendering to preach in our church, and uh, I, was, I became very aware of souls. But I was, as I was at work, I would see people dying. And it was real. I mean, it wasn't just a news clip. I was there. I was the guy there on the scene, and I was seeing it. And so car wrecks and robbery by firearms. I've, I've, I've seen people that in little grocery stores on side streets, and, and I, I, I wouldn't even begin to describe what I saw to you. One Thanksgiving, a girl was stabbed by her boyfriend with a pair of scissors. And she was dead. And natural causes. Man went out to mow his grass, came in, sat down in his chair, and had a heart attack and died. I was a relatively new believer at the time, and I was just the, just the thinking about the fact that people were dying in their souls. I believed at that point, at least I was grounded enough to believe there was a heaven and a hell. And when they when they died, their soul went somewhere, and I was I I was started getting con very concerned. So it was one Sunday morning, I never forget. It was after midnight, so it was on Sunday morning. My shift was seven uh, p.m. to three a.m. So we were getting close to getting off, and so we we call it like hovering. We're kind of moving back towards sixty one Reasoner, and we were headed down Dowling Street when an immoral woman came up to our patrol car and said, there's a man that has a gun on one of the girls down the street. And so my partner took off. I jumped in the car, started driving down the, down the block, and all of a sudden the muzzle blast. I could see it. We heard it. And the truck driver had shot this immoral woman. So we were, I jumped out with my shotgun and we wrestled the guy, and I ended up, he was resisting. I hit him in the back. This is in the old days. Hit him in the back with the shotgun stock, snapped it in my hand, and I just had the, I just had the frame there. I had nothing to hold on to. And I told him, I said, I, I'm going to have to kill you. You know, I mean, it, just, it was just a very frantic situation. So we finally got him handcuffed, got him in the car, and then I started Looking, you know, and it was those days before the city took over the ambulance service. So we had to wait 45 minutes for a private ambulance to show up. She was hit in the chest with a 44 Magnum and she was dying. And I was on one knee talking with her and I will never forget the expression on her face. I will never forget her, uh, her words, she said, kept saying, my lights are going out, my lights are going out, and it was very, 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 very sad. And I was realizing her soul 
was going off into eternity. And so it was soon after that morning that I communicated to my pastor, I believe the Lord's calling me to preach, and I surrendered my life to the ministry that morning on a Sunday morning. And uh, I never will forget it. I, I, I remember telling God, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer, but I want to be available if you can use me. If you can put me in the ministry and use me, I will, I will, I will go. And so that started the process. That started the process of being licensed to preach. And I would do a few little revival meetings in East Texas and fill in for uh, preachers that were absent or on vacation or whatever. And so it was during that time that God was really dealing with me in a big, big way about the souls of people. And she eventually did die at the hospital. And um, with that dealing with me, the stirring of, of God in my heart about souls, I was, I was witnessing on the job. And I remember, and I've told some of you this, you remember, but I, I never will forget the guy that had committed murder. And I was presenting the gospel to him in the back seat of the patrol car. And he said, do you mean God can really forgive me after all I've done? And I said, yes. And he bowed his head and prayed, receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior in the back seat of the patrol car. Now, I always say that I had a captive audience. But sharing the gospel was a drive. It was a motivation. I honestly believed that the call to preach to me meant I would be a full-time evangelist. That I would, I would be preaching from church to church to church and wearing my white floor-shine shoes and my, uh, you know, my, uh, my leisure suit. And I'd go preach revivals. Well, I never got invited, but just a few times, and so that didn't work out. But my pastor recommended me to a church in Riesel. Their pastor had resigned. They needed a pastor. He recommended me, and their pulpit committee called me. And so I can tell you this. As I was preparing, getting ready for today, I have to tell you that one of the greatest joys, I love to preach through books, that's great. I've done a lot of that here, but I get excited. It is, a, it is a real privilege to be able to stand before people and me not really knowing. I mean, I'm assuming everyone is saved. But folks, I've preached messages before and people that I thought were saved walk the aisle and say, I want to get saved. And that's happened several times. I remember uh, Skip Smith, Pastor Skip Smith, they had a, 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 a longtime member of the church, a voting member of the church, walked the aisle, and Mrs. Uh, Smith told me he was gloriously saved one day, but they thought he'd been saved for 25 years. So I never know as I'm pre preaching the gospel, I do not know who is saved and who's not saved. But here's Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the scripture says, was a ruler of the Jews. And I'm not going to go into all the background, just, just enough to say that the Sanhedrin council 
was a group of 70 members, and those 70 acted a lot like our Supreme Court. And they made decisions, rulings on questions on the law, God's law. And so they helped interpret and helped it make uh, apply to people's lives as they would bring questions and debates or whatever. So he was a member of that group of the Sanhedrin Council, and he was a very good man, a very religious man. In fact, if you were to compare his religious life to our religious life, he would probably outshine us as far as his religious living. And so he was a very religious man, a very upright man, a very strict man. But he had a concern in his heart, enough so that he went by night. You've heard all of this. He went by night because he didn't want to be exposed to the fact that he's going to this person that's in question that so many people are some followers and then some are all the Pharisees. They're all questioning him and doubting him. And so he comes and he comes to him by night. And, and it's incredible that Jesus, I mean, instantly tells him in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, or I say to you, Nicodemus, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, here's a man striving to work his way to the kingdom of God. He was wanting to go to the kingdom of God. He had a desire. He was trying to live a righteous life and try to get to the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew that. And Jesus said, except you're born again, you're going to have to be born again. Now, keep in mind... I think that term was used more in the last, say, 10 or 15 years, more than it is now. But during that day, that term was not even known. Born again? What does that mean? Born again? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can you imagine what that would feel like if you were a religious leader and you, you were saying, so you had this great teacher, this one that performed miracles, say, you're not ever going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And so then he said, Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? He really obviously didn't understand. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was thinking natural birth. So do I have to go back in my mother's womb and be born a second time? Is that what you're talking about? Being born again? What does that mean? And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He must be born of water and the Spirit. Now, let me just say that I've heard other people describe or define or explain this differently than what I'm about to explain it to you. I, have, I don't have all the different commentators that I've read that agree with me. There are some that agree with the others. But it's okay. Don't anybody get too worked up if you say, well, that's not the way I teach that. It's okay. Because when we get to heaven, you know, the Lord's going to straighten all this out. And it's going to be great. This is what I believe. And it really, to me, makes the most sense. Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. 
All right, when a person is born the first time, a natural birth, what is he wrapped in? A sack of water. And I think that's what Jesus is referring to because Jesus is very, very practical. He's got to be born of the water. That's your first birth. But then, born of the water and of the Spirit. Now, our bodies are made up of three, body, soul, and spirit. And because of the fall, our spirit, when we are born, our spirit is born dead, unresponsive to God. Okay? So that spirit has to be revived. That makes sense? That, that spirit inside of us has to be revived. And it's not revived by baptism. And it's not revived by good works. The only way it can be re revived, and, and uh, the scripture, and I'm going to show you here, it's quickened, is when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and God's spirit comes into our spirit and quickens us and makes us alive and born again. So his spirit comes into my spirit. Now I'm born again. But that only comes when I pray to receive Jesus Christ. But he says it again. If, you're not, if, you, if you are not born again, you'll not enter into the kingdom of God. He keeps saying, I know that's where you want to go. That's where you're striving to go. But this has got to happen or you're not going to get there. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you that you must be born again. Now, very quickly, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want to first read 8 and 9 of that chapter. For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved. God's grace is unmerited favor here. It's unmerited favor. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So I'm telling you, the folks that believe in work salvation have a very difficult time explaining this one away. They have a very hard time explaining this away. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift. It is a gift. When you cry out to God for salvation, when you pray to receive Christ, He gives you the gift of eternal life. Not of works, which so many denominations teach, that you've got to work your way to heaven. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, let's back up to verse 4. And, I, and I, you've heard me preach the message, but God. I'm not the only one that preaches that message or a title uh, called, but God. 
But that's not what this is about today. But God who is rich in mercy, talking about the character of God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even now, get this, even when we were dead in sins before salvation, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved. And the best visual I can give you, and it may not be the very best, but the best one I can come up with is when I've been at Bentop Hospital and someone actually dies on the table and they put those paddles on them and they say, everybody clear, clear. And they shock them and their, they, their body bounces off of the table. Comes off the table. All clear? Shock them. Boom. And all of a sudden, they start moving, breathing. And that's what I... We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're unresponsive to God, to the things of God. In your lost condition, you can read the Bible. You can read it every day if you want to. It's not going to do you really any good spiritually because you don't have the aptitude, the ability, because you don't have the Spirit of God in you. So, but it does help to bring conviction, but it doesn't feed your soul because your soul, your spirit is dead. And until you actually pray that you come to that place where you know that you are a sinner, you know you're on your way to hell, you're not ever going to see the kingdom of God in that condition, and you pray and you receive Christ, the Bible says you're dead in your sins and God quickens us with his spirit. That means his spirit comes into my spirit and revives, gives my spirit life. But my life is not in myself. My life is in Christ because now he is in me and I am in him. And look at verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Where Christ is, that's where I am. Because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. And because I'm in Christ, I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. I can actually look from a perspective, from God's perspective, and, and, and view life in a different way. Because I'm in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. I mean, it's a good spiritual truth. It's actually difficult to sort out when we're going through trials. But it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that's where I am. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. So we've, we are quickened when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now... Let's go to something that is maybe a little more challenging. Turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read 21 and following down to 23. I've mentioned to you that I don't read every article that I see the caption for, or I don't listen to everyone, but I do, I do notice things. And I did see a caption from a well-known, if I mentioned his name, you would know, you would, some of you would recognize him. And the caption was, 
Hell is going to be full of baptized sinners. Now think about that. Hell is going to be full of baptized sinners. What could that mean? What does that mean? Well, I think it is addressed here in Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at this together. 21. Look at this. And, and these words, I mean, this is, the, I hope we're not callous to this kind of stuff. Because this is real. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. All right? Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then look at 22. Many, M-A-N-Y, many, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them. Because he knows who's saved and who's not saved. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. You know, one time years ago when I was studying this verse and preparing to preach and things, it just made, it was so clear. He didn't say, I knew you once, but then you messed up and so you lost it. He didn't say that. He said, I never knew you. You've never had it. You've never been born again. You've never been saved. Oh, you've jumped in on the church bandwagon and you've done churchy things and you even have churchy language, but you're really not saved. You're really not born again. And this is, these are the words that no one should ever want to hear. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Depart. Depart from me. You don't want to hear those words. You don't want to be told from Jesus, depart, go away. Go to the place that's prepared for the devil and his angels. Forever. There's no, I can't, we can't verbalize how bad hell is. The Bible talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not. But I'm going to tell you what. Let me just tell you. I, I did see a Christian version of hell, and it's scary. My kids, they were afraid to watch it. It was scary, but it was a Hollywood-type version, not Hollywood, but a Christian version of trying to depict what this is what hell is going to be like. People, you don't want to go there. Because there's no turning back. There's no getting out. If you die without Jesus Christ and you die and never to be born again, you're going to spend all eternity. I mean, it's never going to stop. The pain, the anguish, the crying. Crying out to die and you can't die. It never ends. It'll never stop. And then I've had people say, 
Pastor, you're just trying to scare us. Well, if scaring you out of hell works, great. Because I'm going to tell you, this is an old story, but if we saw a house on fire back here, I would imagine we'd go try to drag those people out and get them out of the fire. We ought to believe in hell that strongly that people are going to die. People are dying. Those people on that submarine had no clue when they got on that submarine that that would be their last trip forever except the one would take them to heaven or hell. So what's it going to be? What's it going to be? There are people that are on the church rolls and never been born again. You have an opportunity today. This is a day of salvation for you. This is an opportunity for you to cry out and say, God, I know I'm not saved. You don't have to tell me to part. I know I'm not saved because I know in my heart I'm not really saved. And let me just say this. If you come forward and pray to receive Jesus Christ, let me tell you, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Our church will embrace you and love on you and tell you how excited they are. But I'll tell you what's going to be sad. When familiar faces that we thought were on their way to heaven never show up there. That's what's going to be sad. That's what's going to be sad. So I encourage you, I implore you, I ask you, are you, are you, is there a doubt going on in your mind? Are you, are you a hundred percent sure for sure that you know, if you died today, you would go to heaven based on your faith and God's grace in your life. You have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you've, you're saved. You've been born again. If you have the slightest doubt, if you're, you have the slightest concern and you're not sure, let's settle it today. Let's settle it today. Let's get it settled today. Today could be the most exciting day of your life. Hear the words of Jesus. You must be born again. You must be born again. You need to be born again. I ask you, all of us, within the sound of my voice, live stream, everywhere, do we really believe and know that we are genuinely saved, that we are saved? Based on the Word of God? Not just on feeling. How many times have I heard young people say this? Well, my friends all walked the aisle and, and wanted to be baptized, so I just followed. I've heard that several times. I've heard siblings say, well, my brothers and sisters went forward and they prayed, and so I just followed, but I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't mean it. Today could be that great day. Today could be the most exciting day of your life. You could be saved today. But it's going to take you responding and praying. We're going to have an invitation and you need to pray and say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. There's no way I'm going to get to heaven on my own. <clears throat> I trust Jesus Christ. I believe in him that he did everything necessary. He died on Calvary, shed his blood, paid the penalty. I want him to save me today. 
Would you do that? Would you pray and be saved today? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you get up and quote the books of the Bible. Just, just would you be willing to come forward and say, I really need to be saved. If your parent, if you're a child and your parents here, grab them by the hand and say, go to the front and pray with me. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. So I ask you, I ask you, will you today respond to the Lord Jesus Christ? And here's one coming already. Come here, Gabriel. Now, I told Gabriel, we talked. I got to tell you all something. About two and a half weeks ago or so, I had him on my heart so strong. Oh, I said, Lord, if I just have an opportunity, I want to talk to him. So I was sitting in my truck, and I saw him, and I motioned. I said, would you come here? He came over, and I said, I just want to tell you, I've been burdened for you. I want you to be saved. And I went over this plan of salvation. This is the second time I've gone over the plan of salvation with him. And I asked him if he wanted to pray and receive Christ right now. And he said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Right now. And he prayed beside my white truck in the parking lot. And he received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, let me tell you something. I told him he doesn't get the mic because he's still working on a few things. <laughs> he was saying something to me over there. And I said, watch your mouth. <laughs> so be patient. We're helping him. He's helping, but he's, he's excited about it. And he's only been saved if you've like the 21st, 21st, 21st of June. Me. Mate, I'm sorry. Oh, we're not even there yet, are we? Thank you. Thank you, good. Well, see, you are good for something. <laughs> oh, he, he, he asked me one day, he said, have I passed the background check yet? I said, no, you haven't. <laughs> but listen, this guy has come to Christ May the 21st, the last month. He's been saved a few weeks. Be patient with him. Talk to him. Encourage him. Don't, don't pound on him. Let the Holy Spirit work in his life. And he's working. And amen. So we are excited, aren't we? Yes, we and are. And you have given your life to Christ. Yes, I have. <laughs> amen. Let's pray, y'all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God, for the power of God, for what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you for Gabriel, for his uh, salvation. We just want to rejoice with you. And we thank you, Lord, for saving him and pray that many others would come to Christ before it's too late for them. Thank you, and we give this uh, invitation to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.